0: All right, let's uh, look in Proverbs chapter 5, beginning with verse 3, Proverbs 5 and verse 3. So I'll tell you in advance, we're going to go through 5, 6, and 7 tonight, so we're going to move pretty quickly uh, through these chapters. Once we do that, we've already talked about 8 and 9, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. So, from there, we will be in chapter 10 looking at the Proverbs themselves. But these are the discourses of a father to a son, Solomon, uh, to Rehoboam, amen, and to all of us from the Lord God. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning with verse 3. Okay. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood sharp, as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well, so on and so forth. So he will give us wisdom concerning this strange woman in chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And uh, in the midst of that, he will give us some practical uh, wisdom as well. Okay? So let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We ask God that you would anoint us to preach and teach it and to receive it, to hear it, that you might be glorified and that you might be honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated in the name of the Lord. The sad thing is that Solomon who is giving this instruction to his son, did not finish well when it came to strange women. Let's go over to 1 Kings chapter 11. As we preach to you the Song of Solomon Sunday night, I told you that Solomon is a dual type. He is a type of the Lord in his wisdom and as a son of David, but he's also a type of the man of the world because he gave in to foolishness and did not finish well. It's sad that he had so much experience and so much wisdom about women, but yet he failed in that very area of his life. So let's go to First Kings 11. We'll see what happened. The Bible says, But King Solomon, please look in your Bibles, loved many strange women. Say strange women. Now there's two Hebrew words that's translated strange women. One is nakar, which is a woman that's a foreign woman. She's a prostitute in the uh, false worship systems. Okay? So she is completely away from the Kingdom of God, completely not a part, never was a part of the Kingdom of God. She is a temple prostitute for false religion. That's Nakar. And then you have another word in the Hebrew zur, and that is a woman who is a Hebrew woman who used to be in the Kingdom of God, but who apostatized, okay? And she became a strange woman. She apostatized away from her faith And began to be involved in the false worship of idols. So she became a professional prostitute. And she did it for hire. Okay? Uh, So there is a little bit of a difference between the two women. But they're both strange. Uh, So we see here, but King Solomon loved many strange women. Say strange women. Uh, He says, together the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Samanites, Sedamites, Sidonians, Hittites... Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will what? Turn away your heart after their what? Gods. But Solomon clave unto these in love. So he disobeyed the word of the Lord. Now, evidently, he did not believe that what God was telling him was going to happen to him. Okay? So the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ became the great fool. And I will say I think the reason why is because he lacked courage. It takes great courage to obey God. It takes great courage to live a holy life. And Solomon was weak. He, he was not a man of courage so he was easily swayed by strange women. Uh, when I preach this or teach this to you, you need to understand, if you're a woman today, you need to be aware of the fact that there are strange men that are out there that will seek to seduce you away from the Lord. Okay? Strange women will seek to seduce men away from the Lord. Strange men seek to seduce women away from the Lord. So either way you look at it, It has to be applied to you individually, all right? So if you're a man, avoid strange women. If you're a woman, avoid strange men that will take you away from your walk with God. And uh, in pastoring through the years, I've seen this happen on more than one occasion. It doesn't just apply, you know, to, to women. It applies to men as well. So you got, as the modern term that is used today, You have man-hoes, and you have woman-hoes, and that's just the case. That's the reality, all right? So, either way you look at it, okay, their ultimate goal, as far as being used by the enemy, is to get you to no longer walk with the Lord, and to give in to their ways. Now... Uh, This can also apply if you are a married man and your wife is not in the church. And I've pastored situations like that. You're a married man your wife's not in the church. Uh, The warning again is to be very careful that that unbelieving woman that you're married to doesn't draw you away from your walk with God. Now, I have seen uh, situations where it was very difficult for the man to live for the Lord because his wife wasn't in the church. And so he had to really listen to the Word of God uh, not to go into the world during those days. The same thing applies to a woman. If your husband is not in the church today, you have to be very, very careful that he does not influence you and get you to walk away or turn away from the Lord as he has done. So uh, these are very, very serious warnings that come to us. And we have to understand that we do not govern our life by our emotions. We, we don't make decisions based on emotion, based on the heart, based on reasoning. We base it on what the Word of God says because your emotions can take you away. Mind can take you away. Uh, so we've always got to go to the Word of the Lord and listen to what it says. And if we are beginning to backslide, at some point we need to put the brakes on. And we need to catch ourselves and stop ourselves from backsliding. And you know when that is happening in your life as well as I do. We have to catch ourselves because there are so many things that will come to us, seek to seduce us away from the Lord. All right. So the strange woman, picture of a strange man, spiritually speaking can be the world, the devil, the flesh, whatever it is that comes to seek to seduce you away from your walk with God. Uh, it's, but again, it's going to take great courage to stem the tide. To not give in to that. A strange woman here speaks of the prostitute literally, but also she speaks of apostasy in a religion. Both of those things. In the Word of God, a woman either represents the bride of Christ or she represents the heart at church. So when we study the strange woman, we're talking about a literal prostitution, which is sex outside of marriage. We're also talking about spiritual adultery, which is simply this being unfaithful to the Lord. That is spiritual adultery. All right, so Solomon backslid. That is extremely sad. He backslid away from God because he gave in to the desires of the strange women that were in his life, Um, didn't have the courage to stem the tide. Verse 3 says he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Now, he, saw, he, he did find one. He did find one. And if I were to preach Song of Solomon to you like I did in the past, uh, how he went to try to go after her, he had his harem, but he went after that one shepherdess, that Shulamite, and was not successful in doing that. Now, that's a different way to approach the Song of Solomon, okay? But if you understand that in one way he's the top of the man of the world, Jesus Christ doesn't have a, a, a thousand wives. He's only got one bride. <laughs> so when you preach the Song of Solomon, Solomon be the man of the world, he's got multiple wives. But he did find one, that shepherdess, when he saw her, he loved her. And he knew that that, that would be true love. Uh, But it was too late for him. He had already had his hot Okay? So, amen. Uh, Again, that's going back to a different type of preaching the Song of Solomon which we preached to you before. So he didn't didn't survive it, man. He gave in to the seductions, to the false religions of these women. Uh, You have to be extremely careful. Every one of us here today have to be extremely careful. This is the way the enemy wants to come and get you. He wants to get you through the opposite sex. He wants to get you to apostatize away from the Lord. So whatever that is, if it's married or not married, you have to understand it's a battle. Okay. Now, the way the devil comes to us is through the world. There's the world, the devil, and the flesh. Okay, The enemy, I should say. The enemy comes to us, the world, the devil, and the flesh. We have three. The world and the devil on the outside of us. The flesh is on the inside of us. Now, all of these things are a picture of the strange woman or anything that would try to seduce you away from God. The world, what is the world? Anybody know what the world is? It's system. It's values. It's pursuits. Love for this world. The world comes to you and says, Sell out. Be for me. Okay? Uh, The flesh is protect yourself. The flesh says, give me what I want. Protect yourself. Okay? And the devil is say, listen. The devil comes and he says, listen to those two. The devil says, listen to the world. Go for the world. The devil says, listen to the flesh. Go for the flesh. That's where he comes in. Okay? And so all these things are an enemy that come and seek to seduce us away from the Lord. Now, verse 4, it says in 11... Of Kings, 1 Kings 11. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as were the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zionians and after Milcom, the abominations of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. He turned away from God. This is again apostasy, that foolish, following the foolish woman, the foolish path is to turn away from the Lord, okay? So his heart was involved. Now what happens, something begins to happen in the heart, okay? The enemy comes to seduce you away from the Lord, Uh, your heart starts getting hard. And the problem is if you let your heart harden against the word of God, okay, you get, bitter, hard toward God, then eventually God will harden your heart. Which means if I harden my heart against God, then at some point God will help me along in that hardness. You say, okay, go ahead. That's what you want. Then have your way. So it's real important that we guard our heart protect our heart. So we'll get into that in just a minute when it comes to our walk with our oh God. And not let anything seduce us away from the Lord. Okay? Spiritually or physically. As a result of this, judgment of God was going to come upon Solomon. The kingdom... Uh, eventually it would be divided. In 1 Kings chapter 12, Rehoboam was made king. His son, Solomon's son, didn't listen to the wisdom. And he divided the kingdom. But it was a judgment upon God for Solomon's sin. And as a result of that, a man by the name of Jeroboam began to rule over the ten tribes. Rehoboam only ruled over two tribes. And Jeroboam was just a servant in the house of Solomon. He didn't even have a right to the throne really at all. He was a servant. And uh, as a servant, he had no clue about how to order the things of God or the kingdom of God. But that shows the results of the sin of Solomon. Rehoboam didn't follow his instruction. He divided the kingdom. And eventually ten tribes went into the hands of a mere servant. So it's a very dangerous thing to go away from the Lord. So let's go back to Proverbs then. And this is the man... As I will tell you, in the very midst of backsliding, in the very midst of him giving these proverbs and writing these proverbs, he is in the process of marrying breaks on. Okay? So it's a really sad situation. He ended up walking down the path of foolishness, and he was trying to get his son to walk in the path of God. Now let's look at this strange woman. Everybody understand what I'm saying when I say strange woman? Okay, now this word, strange woman, here in Proverbs is the second of the two words I talked to you about. It's zur, which means this woman was in the kingdom of God, but she apostatized away from the Lord and made herself a professional prostitute. And not only was she a professional prostitute, but she gave herself to living for uh, idol gods. So... The word here that's used is not the word that means a foreign woman that is simply a temple prostitute that never knew God. This woman here knew God, went away from God, and went into false religion as a result of that. Okay? So let's look at this woman. Uh, The Bible says, For the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil. So when she comes to you, all right, She's going to come to you, she knows how to talk. Now, one thing about the Word of God is it's very practical. No matter how promiscuous society is, no matter how irrelevant in some people's minds the Bible is, God still says, gives us the truth on the subject. Okay? And we'll talk about it. It's pretty amazing, really. He starts out, he says, This is the what you got to look out for, son. And if you're a woman, you have to look out for this as well from a man. They know how to talk. All right? Yeah, they know how to talk. They will tell you what you want to hear. Now, when we get a little bit further into this, and I teach you more about this strange woman, you will find out one of her chief tactics, if she's a married woman and she's coming after you, she will say, oh, I'm so lonely You know, my husband's just not satisfying me. And, uh, you know, while he's gone, then we can get together, and you're lonely, and I'm lonely, and we can just have our fill of love. Okay? She knows how to talk. So she comes. She may come around you, or he may, if you're a girl, he may come around and say, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Okay? Or she says to the man, hey, handsome, Well, she's set in the trap, okay? Or she might might reach over to your arm and say, wow. And you go, yeah. I mean, you don't do that, but you're thinking, yeah. My wife don't do that. Wow. I'm just telling you. Okay, so they know how to talk, they know how to be very smooth. They know how to flatter with their words. If you're a girl, you guys know how to how to push your buttons. Okay. So her her speech is uh, talked about here, verse four. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Now a lot of times when there's prostitution involved, there is. Alcohol that's involved as well. Okay, so when you read these verses right here, her her bitter end is wormwood, sharp as the two-edged sword. What we have is, so you can understand it, a hangover, spiritually speaking, or maybe literally, and brain damage. That's going to be the results. So she might know how to make you feel good. She might not have no. I mean, she might know how to talk you and seduce you. But eventually it's very, very bitter. Amen? i got a two-edged sword, man. Okay, verse 5. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. You want to know where it's going to lead you to? It's going to lead you to death. And death doesn't change your character. As you die, so shall you be. If in time you die unfaithful to God, then death is not it. When you get in hell, which is the next step the Bible talks about, uh, your cravings will not go away. You will continue to crave, okay, uh, lustful things. Your flesh will still want them. You have to understand, that's not going to go away after death. As you die, so shall you be later on, as you move into eternity. So those cravings are not going to go away. So a human being, a woman or a man who's given into this will continue to have these cravings throughout eternity, but they will not be satisfied in eternity. Okay? No way to satisfy them. All right? So it tells us where it ends up. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Now, the next thing it says about this individual is that she's always on the move. Now, yeah, I think that's literal in one sense. She's always on the move, but it also is talking about who she is and his an individual. She is constantly moody. Okay? So the, the, this type of woman here, this strange woman, you can't predict her. Okay? She's going to be changing all the time in her moods. All right? Uh, So anyway, the Bible says, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of her life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Now, I think that means too that she knows inside, because she's an apostate from the truth, that she knows what she's doing is wrong. On the inside, she knows what she's doing is wrong, but she puts on the front and the face to cover up, what she knows inside is the wrong thing, okay? So you really can't read her, so to speak, because she's going to come. He's going to talk smooth. He's going to smile real big, but on the inside, she knows she's doing something wrong. But she's covering it up with her face and with her words, right? Amen. Uh, verse 7 Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Again, the Father is speaking. You listen to the Word of God. Amen. This is a this is a key to give you victory over. Amen. The strange woman or the strange man, or departing from God. This is a key. Is that when the word of God comes to you, put Him in your heart? You keep the word of God in your heart, then when these things come to you, approach you in life, you'll be ready. Okay? Well, you have to See, what he's doing, the father's trying to do, is he's trying to instruct the son, listen, before you get in this situation, son, before you are faced with this kind of individual, son, I'm going to give you some instruction so that you will be prepared when you are faced with this and you won't yield to it. So this is a key to be victorious over this kind of approach. A strange woman, I'm just telling you, or a strange man if you're a girl, is that you have the Word of God taught to you. You know right from wrong. And if it comes to you, say, Oh, I know what the Bible says. I'm staying away from that person. Okay? Everybody understand? That's why He's giving the instructions. Don't... You don't get, right, you get in a situation. The temptation's there. The emotion's there. The hormones are going crazy. That's not the time to figure out what you're going to do. But I will tell you what you're going to do. Your emotions and your hormones are going to give in to her smile and her words. She knows how to talk. And she knows how to make you feel, okay? Is everybody with me here? Right? And so what you have to do is you have to understand what he's doing. Is he giving the word of God to you in advance, giving you instruction in advance? Because I will tell you at some point in your life, every one of you or most of you will be faced with that kind of situation. So you have to have the word of God hid in your heart, it will protect you against giving in to this seduction. Okay? Amen. Not trying to figure it out when you get in the heat of the moment. You, you gotta know before you get in that situation. Well, I'm avoiding her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm strong enough, I'm handling. Well, we're gonna find out as we keep studying here that in verse twenty six of chapter seven, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. So she will take down the strong as well as the weak. So you have to be prepared in your heart with the Word of God to not give in to those advances, those seductions, those words, those looks, whatever. Okay? Praise the Lord. Verse 7, Hear now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Now I'm going to tell you again, you're going to have to have courage. Courage. To obey the word of the Lord. That's why Solomon didn't didn't succeed because he did not have the courage to obey. He could tell people the right thing, but he fell himself because he didn't have the courage. Right. Keep thy heart with all diligence as verse 23 of chapter 4 says, for out of it are the issues of life. You're going to guard your heart. Okay, right, all right. Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. Don't even get close to him. Man or a woman trying to seduce you, don't even get close to them. Stay away from them, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Next thing is, protection against this type of advance. The Word of God, number one in the heart. Number two is that you count the cost. If you don't count the cost, you just run right headlong into it as the Bible talks about the simple or the immature The unsuspecting just run right headlong into the situation, find the arms in this person, you know, in their arms and they're sunk. Uh, Count the cost is a protection against falling. Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Dishonor comes if we give in to these things. Dishonor will come to your life. Dishonor will come to the church. Now, it's it's even worse or more serious if it's in the pulpit. If it's in the pew, it's bad. If it's in the pulpit, it's worse. Okay? And uh, some situations today, I don't know if you realize this, but what I'm saying to you, these this is one excommunicating factor. this is one thing, one thing in the Word of God, First Corinthians 5 talks about it, we are required to excommunicate somebody from the body of Christ, the church, if they don't repent. One thing. There's others, but that one especially. Okay? Um, sad part about it is today, we'll get to that in just a minute in verse 14, uh, look at it, let's just go there. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation assembly. So now he talks about the congregation. He talks about the assembly. What is he saying there? He's saying that if you fall or I fall into these kinds of situations, give in to that seduction, what's going to happen is it's going to bring disgrace on the, your circle okay, of fellowship. That's what he's talking about in verse 14. It will bring a disgrace on you. It will bring a disgrace on the church. It will bring a disgrace on people that you are in fellowship with. So that's one reason why God says excommunicate unrepentant. Amen. Situations like this. Now, today, excommunication is not seen very serious by most people in the church. Because if you excommunicate somebody today, what they do is, instead of accepting the correction or the rebuke, they simply go to another church. That's what they do today. And when they get over there in that other church, they'll say, well, you know what? Man, we escaped. You know, We don't have any judgment, any consequence. We escaped. What they fail to understand is this, is that God will always stand behind legitimate. I say it legitimate excommunication so you can be disciplined in the church excommunicated run to another church but God is going to uphold the legitimate excommunication of that previous body it doesn't matter if you run whatever you do and nobody knows what you did in another place God knows and I promise you by the word of God that his judgment will come upon that person, even though they've gone to another church and it seems like they've escaped, because these are things that you don't escape when it comes to God. All right, you with me here? So, what is the purpose of excommunication then? Verse fourteen is talking about that this this thing, this effect on the congregation. Uh, well, number one, the purpose is to keep the testimony of the church valid. Keep the character of the church intact and the testimony of the church valid. Number two, to bring the person to a place of repentance and restoration. That's the ultimate goal. But I will tell you this, God does not play games when it comes to sexual immorality in the church. He wants a pure church. So, okay, you with me here? So it will bring dishonor on you, bring dishonor on your family, bring dishonor on the kingdom of God. And it's very serious in the pew, but it's even more serious in the pulpit. There are some preachers today that have been excommunicated by their uh, denominational systems for that sin, but they didn't accept the correction and they still have a big television ministry today. And there are people that are sending all kinds of money to their ministry even to this day. Okay, basically to su- to support a scam. All right. So God's judgment comes heavy on this. Now, God sees everything. That's why we have to walk guarded with the Word of God in our heart, uh, as the Bible says. Also, count the cost. What I'm teaching you now. Count the cost. Dishonor. Great dishonor comes. It does not bring honor to you. Okay. Count the cost. Amen. Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Now, what does that mean? Well, I've talked to people before, okay, uh, that were in sexual immorality, trying to bring them to a place of repentance in their life, giving them space to repent. I mean, we don't excommunicate everybody, we give people an opportunity to repent. And sometimes I'll wrestle with somebody over a period of time who's involved in this kind of lifestyle. Trying to bring them to a place of repentance. You hear what I'm saying? You don't know because you're not in my office. But I do. And what I oftentimes will tell them is that do you understand that this ongoing, illicit, sexual relationship that you're having outside of marriage that one of the costs that you may pay eventually is blackmail. Okay? And so you talk about finishing your years unto the cruel. People can blackmail you. Uh, certain certain countries, certain situations, certain operations, certain political situations, they will literally set up somebody with a prostitute. Okay? So that country knows that you are a high-ranking official uh, that has high-ranking information. That country will send a prostitute to you. You have a sexual relationship with her. Now, they use it against you. You join us or we will expose you. Now, if somebody doesn't want to be uncovered for the sexual sin that they have committed, it may destroy their political career, destroy their family, whatever, then they would be tempted to side with the enemy, okay? and help the enemy and its cause in order for that not to come out. So you want to live the rest of your life with this possibility coming up that somebody eventually is going to use this to blackmail you. To pressure you into doing what they want you to do. And if you don't do it, I'm going to tell everything that has happened that means you will be destroyed. So I have taken that approach in times past and dealing with some who were in that type of sin and said, you realize, you know, you keep doing this. uh, That person, I don't even know who this person is that you're involved with, but eventually what they'll try to do is they'll try to blackmail you. Well, I'll tell on you. Okay. You get somebody that that's going to use that like they're going to say that to you, say, I'll tell on you. Whew, you found out something, you've been blackmailed. Okay? So I'll, So what it is they're going to tell on you, Tell somebody that you don't want knowing what you did in order for them to have their way or maybe to keep you to shut your mouth. Keep you secret on something that should be told. You with me here? Blackmail is a very serious thing, and believe it or not, my good brothers and sisters, it goes on in the church. Not this one. Okay? But I do warn people about that possibility. Um, I'm not going to call his name, but he's a man of God, told me not long ago. He's talking about a situation of blackmail. There was immorality going on in the church. And to keep that covered up, uh, I think he told me, I believe he told me the leadership in that church, to keep that covered up, that sex sexual sin is bad. Covered up, they offered money to the person. To keep it covered up. Okay? So blackmail does happen in high places. Okay? Don't... That's what it's talking about. you got to count the costs. So, <clears throat> the loss of honor, spending the rest of your days, years unto the cruel, man, living with that possibility. Isn't everything ever going to pop up, come back to haunt me? The skeleton's in the closet? You don't go, hey, man, come on. People that have committed sexual immorality, they live that in the back of their mind constantly. They live with that past. Now that doesn't mean God can't forgive you. It doesn't mean God I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you there are consequences to falling into that type of lifestyle. There's somebody, and let me just say this, man, it's always going to come out. It'll come out. Because people can't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> and and eventually they're going to try to use it against you. Okay, so they're going to start blabbing and talking. Just, just letting you know. So before you jump into a situation like that, understand that your life's going to be cruel. It's going to be hard. Blackmail possibilities coming. Say praise the Lord. Yeah, I promise you, man, if your, your enemy gets a hold of some bad stuff on you, he, he coming after you with that. You know? Okay, so you will to live a clean life. See, so if you don't live a clean life, man, everything that you've ever done or said is going to come out. And that's the way it is because they want to destroy you. Okay? Blackmail you. They'll keep you quiet. See, I won't say anything if you don't say anything. Kind of a deal. Now, it's not, not like a pastor covering sin for appropriate, proper reasons. It's blackmail. It's totally different. Does everybody understand with me? Okay. All right. Verse 10, Let strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labor be in the house of a stranger. One thing about prostitution, it will cost you money. Okay? Yeah, it costs you money. You understand? And it's not cheap. Well, I don't know. I didn't buy any, but I'm just... (laughs) You know. But but I understand. I mean we weren't all gonna go there, but you know, it it it'll cost you money. Unfaithfulness costs you money. That's the way it is. And I, I don't know how much prostitutes charge, but you know. I mean you got man hoes and woman hose too, so Manholes or gigolos, you know. Uh. There's a lot of money in sex tra- trafficking. Okay, <clears throat> So I'm just telling you, if you, just get ready, man. You get into that lifestyle, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Your bank account's going to empty. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Are you counting the cost? See, i got to teach you this before you get in a situation and oh, yeah, now what do I do? Okay, is it all going to come to your mind? Uh, it goes on. Thy labors be in the house of a stranger and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are what? Consumed. So not only that, but the sexual disease that comes as a consequence of sexual immorality. Um, somebody investigated a prostitution it wasn't me okay they they went <laughs> <laughs> okay praise the Lord uh, they went and they got hooked up with a bunch of prostitutes okay and they asked him a question do you have herpes and every prostitute that they investigated every one of them had herpes every one of them and one of them said that She was guilty of passing herpes to 1,000 men. So, if you want your flesh to be eaten up with herpes and sexual diseases, uh, STDs, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, I've been told by somebody who works in a doctor's office that Odessa, Texas, this surrounding area, Odessa, this area, Midland, McCamey, this area is the STD capital maybe of the world (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I mean it's everywhere okay so the thing about it now we gotta realize that we're not just talking about women having herpes men have herpes have all kinds of sexual diseases and I I'm not gonna get into the. I've read I don't know I haven't personally experienced it but like real bad headaches and really anyway okay real bad problems Come as a result of herpes. You have to realize this, okay? I don't think you'll ever forget this, but you can't have sex with somebody without having sex with the previous person that they had sex with. You think about that. That means everybody that they've ever had sex with you. When if you have sex with them, you had sex with them as well. In the sense that all that disease, communicable, communicable diseases, that they pass on to each other, now it's passed on to you. That's why the Bible is so adamant about sexual purity. Okay, praise the Lord. One woman, one man for life. Praise God. You get married, you get married. One woman, one man for life. You don't have to worry about your spouse having herpes and sexual diseases and you know venereal diseases and dying from AIDS and all of that stuff. Okay? Praise the Lord. So it's important for everybody here today, say everybody, To stay pure. Stay pure before you get married. Stay pure after you get married. You have costs involved if you don't. Everybody awake? Amen. Thank God I can say before you that I was uh, pure before I married my wife. And I know my wife was. So there was no possibility of us passing on sexual disease to each other. Okay. Just remember though, okay, so you say, well, man, Pastor, I'm just like, my horm- hormones are raging, they're out of control, and, you know, and it's in that time before you get married, and sometimes, anyway, just raging out of control. That is no excuse for you to be whoring around. God didn't say, well, you know, I gave you these hormones, you know, inside. And man, they are really strong and powerful. And if you know you're not getting your needs met by your wife, then go find it somewhere else. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say to you before you get married, man, your hormones are out of control, I know, so you can go get a little bit on the side. No. God doesn't say that. They say, well, pastor, we're almost married. Two more weeks. So we can do it. I say, no, you can't. The temptation is going to be there, but you can't. Because what happens if you don't get married? It's a possibility. All these sexual diseases. People pass them on one to another, man. Hey, praise the Lord. God knows what He's talking about. Thou mourn lasts last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Man, disease. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? Now here's the thing about it. Is what we see this person's is mourning. He's mor- they're mourning. Because... They're in a situation and so said, Why didn't I listen? You see, they just got caught up, overtaken, gave in to it. And as soon as they did it, they knew they were wrong. And at the moment they were doing it, you know, it probably maybe felt good a little bit. But after they did it, then the grief set set in and the mourning set in and the suffering set in and the agony of mind set in and the conviction set in and and the turmoil set in and the tears began to flow. How did I get here? How did I get here? I can't believe I yield to that will be the words and Again, at the moment, man, you can't make a decision in the moment. you got to make a decision before you ever get there. That you're not going to do that. Because after you do, you're going to say, man, I should have listened. If you're in the church, most of the time God is going to have a word that's going to be preached to you. Uh, your pastor's going to speak a word to you. There's going to be roadblocks in your life. Things get exposed and uncovered. You keep going headlong. I promise you, eventually you might feel good for a little bit, but eventually you will be overwhelmed with guilt, and that's where this person is. How have I hated instruction? My heart despised reproof. See, see, the people involved in that—they don't want to be corrected. They don't want. They hate instruction. I said, "No, I learned. I should have. I should have listened." Verse 13, have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. See, they knew, man. They knew. They should have loved instruction. They should have loved reproof. If somebody came to them and corrected them, they said, no, no, you're not going to correct me. Because that hard, hard pride gets a hold of them. Well, he, he didn't deals with proper desire, uh, legitimate desires. How do you handle those desires that everybody has? God created you to be a sexual creature. It's a part of who you are, a part of humanity. What is the acceptable, legitimate fulfillment of those desires? Never, ever, ever sexual relationship outside of marriage? Never. okay? It is only in the boundaries of marriage that sexual relationships should take place. Okay? And so that's what he gets into now. So all of you out there, they've got raging hormones. Okay? Well, no excuse. But you gave them to me, God. No excuse. Because he said, here's the boundaries to take care of that. Okay? And you can do it. I didn't get married till I was 23 years old. And I got in the church when I was 18. So from 18 to 23, man, you talk about raging hormones. It can be done. Okay? You can stay pure before God. But you have to make a covenant with God Almighty that you're not going to do that outside of marriage. All right? Doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. Doesn't mean that hormones are going to be you know, going crazy. a star, man. But here's the way to fulfill them legitimately, legitimate desire. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. This is talking about your wife. It's a, it's a word from God to be faithful to your marriage partner. Amen? Husband, husband be faithful to the wife. The wife to be faithful to the husband in this area. Uh, so, <clears throat> drink waters out of thine own cistern. This is uh, a form of language that they use. Running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of waters in the street. Now, that sounds really strange. It's not, the way you read it is not what it's saying. <laughs> what he's saying is, it's almost like a question, okay? Now, it doesn't have a question mark by it, but let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of water in the streets? He said, no, you take care of that desire with your wife. You don't go be running the streets and hooking up in the streets all over the place. That's what he's saying. That's not what you do. That is not acceptable to God. Okay? Spreading your seed all over the place. Well, it sure is quiet in here. Oh, I know why. Because we're not supposed to talk about this. We're supposed to stay away from this. Verse 17, Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. See, he clarifies it. Let thy fountains be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. He explains it. Amen. In verse 18, Let thy fountains be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy what? Youth. He say, well, I'm just getting tired of her. I'll go find it somewhere else. I'm getting tired of her. I'll just divorce her and I'll go find someone. No, God's saying with the wife of your youth means divorce is not the answer. Man. you start going through these seasons in your life, okay, as married couples, and, you know, you have to be patient. You have to, we have to be patient with each other. The wife goes through a season, the man goes through a season, right? It might not be as exciting as you want it to be, but you have to be patient with each other. I can tell you this, divorce is not the answer. Okay. Ooh, man. It's getting even quieter in here. Let them be only thine own and not stranger with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife, say the wife, of thy youth. Legitimate way to get those desires fulfilled. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant role. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. (laughs) Uh, uh, some echoes in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And why wilt thou say, uh, why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? The word ravished is very interesting. The word ravished means to be intoxicated. Okay? When you're in a a marital relationship, that sexual relationship, man, God wants it to be like an intoxication, man. Okay? It it is something, there there should be passion there, it should be exciting. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, obviously, within the bounds, the biblical bounds, not leaving the natural use of the woman, natural use of the man, so on, forth, so on, and so forth. Okay, but it is something that literally be intoxicated, ravished with. Don't he's a don't with a strange woman. That means implied with your wife to be ravished with her, intoxicated with her. Man, hallelujah! I know, Bishop. He always oh, talking about his wife all time. Man, he'll say, you know how much I love her. You pastor knows how much I love her. Sister Nicole. Well, he's ravaged with you. You know, He's intoxicated with you. Amen. See him? He's talking over here. For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord. He part his goings. Alright, so another reason why, you, you know, <clears throat> putting the Word of God in your heart and counting the cost. Another thing is that God sees everything that we do. Amen. Help me preach. Look, he's never say God sees everything. A preacher one time said his family put over his door, it says, God sees everything. And they meant that when they put that there to encourage him. that God sees everything, you know, you're going to be okay. But he took it as a threat. <laughs> he said... Says so a young man, you know, he said every time I get up I look there and see God sees everything. You know, he took it as a threat, not as an encouragement. Amen. Praise the Lord. But God does, He sees everything that we do. That's a, a great deterrent. Um, amen. For the ways of man, for the eyes of the Lord, he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holding with the cords of his sins. Amen. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Amen. That's what happens to us. We lack discipline in our life, we lack instruction, discipline, lead, lead, lead a disciplined life is the Bible tells us that these iniquities will take us um, and then will die without instruction, without discipline, and the greatness of His folly, He shall go astray. Again, talking about the way you live is the way you're going to die. Don't don't ever think that you can live one way and die another. The way you live is the way you're going to die. And it, it doesn't stop at death. Man, you got, you got out-of-control cravings right now. They will be with you in hell. Okay? In, in chapter 6, he's going to get back to this uh, strange woman again in a moment. But he's just going to move back over here. He's going to pick up some other things. But I want you to understand why he does that. Because when he talks about the strange woman, he's not just talking about physical things. He's talking about the strange woman in, in the relationship of idolatry. That anything that comes to you to seduce you apart, away from Jesus Christ, apart from walking with the Lord, is the strange woman. Because the strange woman was not just a prostitute, she was involved in false religion. So the foolish woman will always get you, seek to get you to depart from the Lord. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord and will encourage you to walk with the Lord and serve the Lord. So remember that. So he goes back into this instruction because he wants you to understand in serving the Lord, there's some things in your life that are important in serving the Lord. And one of them has to do with wealth. So he moves from women to wealth. Okay. Most men have a problem with one or the other or with both of them. So he's going to talk about wealth. Now the first thing he talks about is co-signing. Okay, so uh, look at it. Verse 1, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. What's he saying? Do you understand that a banker that loans money, okay, you have a buyer. And this is talking about credit. So the buyer wants to buy something. But the buyer either number one doesn't have the money to buy it or doesn't have the credit history to buy it. So the banker, the banker says no to the buyer, it's going to upset the buyer. Right? But the banker says no to the buyer that doesn't qualify so he doesn't upset his bank. You with me? So what the banker does is in order to not upset the bank and give him the loan to somebody that doesn't qualify and in order not to upset the buyer the banker will say or, or whoever, the salesman, whoever says, do you have a cosigner? That means that that you have somebody that will guarantee your loan. See, that's his out. That's his out. Because then he can make his banker happy and he can make the buyer happy. And if the buyer doesn't pay, only the one who cosigned is hurt. he don't care. You ever notice that? That's okay. It's business. It's all right. It's just business, the way it works. But, God is saying here in his word, don't be a cosigner. Now, you can be if you choose to be, but remember, if you are a cosigner, that means you're guaranteeing the loan. If they don't pay You have to. And if the vehicle or whatever gets repossessed and they sell the car, the bank sells the car, the lender sells the car, you're responsible for the remaining balance of the car that wasn't paid in the sale of the car. So that's why it's very, very dangerous to co-sign for somebody who doesn't qualify for a loan, okay? Now, you want to help your kids out and try to get them some credit and get them on you know, a solid ground or whatever in that area, then you might consider maybe small loans and co-signing the for them and helping them that way. But again, when you do that, if you do that, you are saying, I will be responsible for this loan. And if you're willing to do that, you're willing to say, I will be responsible, and I'll guarantee this loan, and in your mind you're willing to pay the whole thing, go ahead. But if you're not willing to pay the payments or willing to pay the whole thing or whatever, live with the consequence, God is saying do not co-sign for somebody. And if you have put out your hand and said, hey, you're my friend. I'll co-sign for you, man. God says after you have shook the hand and said you'll co-sign, He said, think about it. After you get taught the Word of God, And you found out you made a mistake? He said, before you even go to sleep, he said, you go back to the friend and say, hey man, you know, man, I made a mistake. I read the Bible yesterday. I went to church. And and we were in the book of Proverbs and I found out I shouldn't do that. And he says, run to your friend. You know, this is before the contract signed, not after. Hey man, would you forgive me if I don't co-sign for you? Because I found out I was going to make a mistake. And what he's saying is, you're going to have to put your pride in your pocket to do that. Because you already, you know, you already macho, pro, bro man. Hey, dude, I got you back. You know, <laughs> I'll co side for you. You know, put your pride in your pocket and go run into the friend and say, Will you please let me out of this deal? Because that wasn't a good decision. He says, It is so important, he says, don't even go to sleep. Amen. Run like a roe from the hunter as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go, okay, praise the Lord. All right. So, co sign How many of you were co-signed for anybody and it was a bad deal? Lift your hand. Yeah. Praise the Lord. You should have got in church before you did that, right? Or if you did anyway, praise the Lord, but that Bible, Bible teaches us about wealth, it's a very dangerous thing to be a co-signer, what they call a co a guarantee for the loan, amen, Yeah. especially on, on depreciating items, so you got a vehicle, you go out and buy, you co-sign it, and you drive it off the lot, it's $15,000 already depreciated, $15,000, you with me? And let's say they pick up the car next month. Well, guess what? You still owe $15,000 and the car's not even there. You know. So, Amen. Now, there is an acceptable guarantee. There is an acceptable surety. And that's found in the book of Job. Let's go over to Job real quick. Am I losing you? you all getting bored? Now, I'm going to take up an offering for that information in just a minute. Because I saved some of y'all some thousands of dollars. 17.1, this is an acceptable surety. Job says this, my breath is corrupt, my days are extinct, the graves are ready for me. Amen, that's the spirit of man. Corrupt. I was just like Job one time. You were too. Are there not markers with me? That means creditors. And doth not my eye continue in their provocation? There's a sin debt, man. There's a creditor Job's talking about. It's a sin debt. Lay down now. Put me in a surety for thee. Who is he that will strike hands with me? And ultimately we know who that is. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ has become your surety. He is the guarantor. That means that he shook his hand, shook your hand and said, I'll pay your sin debt for you. I'll pay that that price for you. And he did that on the cross because we had a sin debt and we had creditors breathing down our neck. And the Lord said, I'll be your surety for you. I'll be your guarantee for you. Hallelujah. So so there is an acceptable surety. Amen. Next thing he talks about, verse 6, he talks about the sluggard. Okay, he's lazy. Being lazy. Versus the ant. And so he says here, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, be wise, which having no guide overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, when thou when wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Let all let a, yet a little sleep, he says, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. A mighty person. Okay, Okay, stop there. Okay. So he's talking about the sluggard versus the ant. Now, the lazy person or the sluggard, here's what he says is going to happen. He says in life, poverty is going to be coming fast. It's going to be traveling really fast. You with me? And if if you're lazy and you're a sluggard, Poverty is going to come so fast in your life, it will travel faster and it will eventually overtake you. Now, poverty in the Word of God, there's at least, I don't know, five, six different words for poverty. And one of them means you will not be able to get your needs met. Okay? So it's not just the absence of luxury. I mean, it's like you won't even be able to get take care of your own needs because you're a sluggard, you're lazy in life. you know And so he talks about the ant He said, look at the ant in comparison to the sluggard. the ant doesn't have an overseer. it doesn't have a guide. That means the ant doesn't have like somebody watching over him and telling telling the you know the overseer, the guard, the captain, whatever, you do this, ant, You do that, ant, Breathing down his neck. See, the ant doesn't need that. The ant doesn't need somebody breathing down their neck telling them the next thing to do all the time. Brother, you ever hired anybody like that before? <laughs> Get out there on the lot and sell something, you know? You know, we're just sitting there reading the book. Got their sunglasses on inside, inside the building. Just sitting there. <coughs> not selling anything. And then complaining why they can't pay their bills. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, then you're then that person's not like the ant. Because the boss has to constantly be monitoring them, constantly saying, Hey, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing this? Get this done. You need to get this done. No, somebody that's like the ant doesn't need another person to always be telling them what to do. They are industrious. They are busy. Now, this applies to the kingdom of God too because God is looking for a church like you and I to be busy serving the Lord. He doesn't necessarily want us to be the kind of people that had to constantly be told, you know, you need to get busy doing this. Get busy. Yeah, no, no, no. That should be slothful. We should be busy. We have an assignment from God. We need to get it done. Okay? And if you're like the ant, then you don't need somebody always over your, looking over your shoulder always telling you what to do. Okay, that's the point. But the sluggard, on the other hand, their response is, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, you know. What's the big deal, you know? This is it's a big deal because poverty is going to eventually outrun you. Poverty is fast. Okay? Brothers and sisters, if you're going to be successful in finance, you literally have to be like a warrior in life. You have to approach finance like a warrior, man. Okay? Woo! You got you have to approach paying debt off like it's a war. You understand? Because if you don't, eventually, man, life, it'll just overtake you, and pretty soon you'll be in poverty. You want to be able to get your needs met because you're not industrious enough like the ant. get the point, don't you? Now, there is a difference. Now, what we see here in this sluggard is that they this man is lazy as sluggard because his whole life is about how to get out of work. It's not talking about somebody that takes a nap for health reasons or so they can have strength to work. This person, amen, is resting or sleeping to get out of work. Some people sleep and rest because they have assignments to do. They've got things they've got to do. They need the strength in order to do it. So there's nothing wrong with that because God gave us rest. And from the position of rest, we work. Okay. But this guy here that the Bible's talking about has no drive. Has he, He's not like the ant. He's got to be told everything and he still won't do it. He's just too lazy. Okay, but poverty's coming because he's sleeping to avoid work. Not in order to be able to work. Now you say, well, how does that fit in with this strange woman thing? Because, again, this is to be unfaithful to the Lord. If you, if you and I don't handle our money correct and our creditors correctly and, and handle our finances correctly, the first part of chapter 6, and if we don't handle ourselves in the area of business, we don't labor and we don't work, work, work honors God. It honors God. You say, well, it's a curse. It's a curse of sin. No. God put man in the garden before the fall to till it and to keep it. So work before the fall was something that honors God. After the fall, it becomes a burden, man. Sweat of your brow, hard labor. Okay? But work honors God. Laziness does not. Work is a picture of somebody who faithfully serves God. And a lazy person is a picture of an idolater. This is to take it to the highest level of interpretation. Theology, which means to fear God. So if you fear God, you'll handle your finances right. If you fear God, you'll work hard. Amen? And serve the Lord. If you don't, then these are the, the practices of an idol worshiper. Say amen. Hallelujah. I want to show you the correlation. How many of y'all got in a church? When you got in the church, that's when you started working. Before you got in the church, you hang around, sitting in the front yard with your buddies with your beer in hand. Right? No? Okay. Not anybody like that here? Okay. well. And then all of a sudden, you get in the church, right? God changed your life. Now you start working, right? Then honor God. That's the spiritual thing. It's not just about money. It's about how you honor God. Dishonor God. Worship Him as a true worshipper of Yahweh or be an idol worshipper. This is what idol worshippers is how they act. Ooh, man, it make you thankful, won't it? <laughs> Say praise the Lord. On the other hand you don't want to put work ahead of God, so you gotta strike the balance. To rest, God gave you a, a time to rest. It's called the Sabbath, where you focus on God. Amen? Okay. Then he talks about it very quickly, verses 12 through 15. He talks about this uh, a wicked man, a naughty person, say naughty person, walking with a forward mouth. He winking with his eyes. He speaking with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. Oops, I better stop teaching with my finger. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Again, this is the picture of an idol worshiper. You know what God is saying? Y'all want me to interpret it for you? How, yeah, yeah, y'all God can read body language. Okay? The Bible says this naughty man, it means he's a son of Belial. Son of Belial. He's an idol worshiper. And the way that you, you can see that he's an idol worshiper is that he is constantly pulling his schemes off by body language. He'll wink the eye, you know? Yeah. yeah the you know, gangsters? Yeah. You ever seen the gangsters? or Maybe not in real life. Maybe so. Hey, Bugsy. Amen. That's the way yeah, gangsters get their job get the job done. Man, they have these this, these hidden codes, this sign language, body language. All right. So God's talking about them. The perverse, the forward in the mouth, forward in the mouth. Perverse. Yeah. Okay. Well, you say, well, that's not me. I'm not. I'm not a son of Belial. I'm not a naughty person. When well, you come to church, though, are you a true worshiper of Yahweh or not? Are you a, are you a, are you a son of Belial, a worthless person? Amen. Well, God knows my heart. He doesn't just know your heart; He knows your body language. Look at your neighbor and say He can read body language. You know, I have been tempted to take I take a course on body language. I have. I'm not going to because I don't. I don't want to be able to read your body language. I got to. Enough problems in my life, but I mean there are things—the way you look, the way you hold your hands—you know, just all kinds of things. That an expert who knows body language can tell you exactly what that person's up up to. Ooh, man! The way they hold their head up, back down, whatever—the way the look down, up—you know, whatever. Okay. But see, God doesn't need that course. God can read your body language while you're sitting in church. Amen? And what that says is, your body says a lot. It says, if you're a true worshiper of Yahweh, Jesus, or a son of Belial, what you got up your sleeve, what you you got going on, yeah. Uh, this is you know my you want me to show you my favorite one. This is my This is my favorite body language. Got to have two chairs for this one. When the word of God's being preached, this is my favorite body language. Okay? Now I'm up here, right? That's my favorite one. <laughs> I think to myself, man, that must be something really interesting down there in that other, in that pew you're sitting next. To. <laughs> That's why I say, hey, I'm up here, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, I tell you, see, these little kids, man, they know the art of the body language. See, little Ryder, me Ryder, me Ryder, y'all me Ryder, everybody me Ryder. Jeremiah, see, Jeremiah was little Ryder's competition. He knew it from the start with, and so little Ryder walk up to Jeremiah, and go, <laughs> taught me, man, you know what I mean. And I don't like to say anything about Little Ryder because my wife loves him so much. But anyway, but they do. They know. They know body language, don't they? <laughs> well, yeah. Sometimes y'all come to church, man. You talk about body language. You're not saying anything, but you're saying a lot. <laughs> and you don't have to be, you know, using finger signs or anything like that. me get it. <laughs> That's what God said He knows everything, man. He knows body language. He can read that. Say praise the Lord. So I want to be sure that I'm not a son of Belial, not do idol worship with my body language. Well, my body language to be right. Amen. Yeah. Whoo, man. That's heavy. Then he goes in a little bit further on and talks about seven deadly sins. Now, when you say seven deadly sins, that's seven deadly sins, seven, this is not the, the only sin, okay? Seven is the number of completion. So he said there's a more, but he's going to list these seven. Very quickly, very quickly. Number one These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Say that an abomination to God. It means he hates them. So once again tied to the strange woman is a lifestyle that's lived separate and apart from God. Okay? It's connected, it's what I'm trying to show you theologically. Number one, a proud look. God hates pride. An abomination in the word of God, abomination means something that God hates. You say, God hates? Well, not in an emotional way, That's not the strict meaning of the word, abomination. It does mean to hate, but it means simply this. It means to reject fellowship. So these are things that if a person allows in their life, God can reject fellowship. Ooh, man. Now, that means that God can say, I'm done. You think about in the Old Testament, in the prophet Ezekiel 9, 10, and 11, the Bible says God packed his bags and he left Israel. The glory of God left because those people would not listen to his word. They wouldn't listen to him. And so their lifestyle affected the fellowship until the point that God said, I'm done, I'm out of here. These are things right here that will cause a person for God to reject fellowship with them. Okay? Proud look. Pride in the heart. Mm. See, that got a hold of Pharaoh. God sent Moses to Pharaoh with His Word and the Bible says God in His grace. brother and sisters, I wish I had time really to preach the Proverbs the way it should be preached, but... The grace of God not only went to Egypt for Israel, the grace of God went to Egypt for Pharaoh. It was God's will for the whole nation to repent, not just the nation of Israel. And when God brought that word to Pharaoh, the Bible says, He said, Who is the Lord God that I should obey Him? When He said that, at pride he let his heart his heart get hard toward the word of god and the bible said you read the story of pharaoh god kept bringing his word to him and because he was rejecting the word of god god would say pharaoh hardened his heart pharaoh hardened his heart but pretty after a while of saying pharaoh hardened his heart then it changes and it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That comes as a result of pride. Who is the Lord God that I should obey Him? And you harden yourself against the Word of God. And if you keep doing that over a period of time, that pride will cause a rejection of fellowship. God will harden your heart. And, And just let me show you, brother. Please come here. You're going one direction, okay? You don't want to do what God tells you. So God says, okay, I'll just help you. You go right on. Sorry, brother. I didn't mean to step on you. You just go right on. But you see, he's too slow. When I pushed him, I almost stepped on the back of his feet. You need to... Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that's what it means you not, now, brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you something, man. There's things in life that come and cause want to get your heart hard. They come to me too. Want to make me? I want to harden myself. Okay. But if you're going to be wise, you're going. You can't let your emotion get a hold of you. You can't do it. You can't let reason, your own mind, control tell you what to do. You have to listen to the Word of God. Whether it hits you, or it doesn't hit you, it corrects you, or it brings whatever. God, I don't want to harden myself because that's not a good thing. Because that's coming from pride. And pretty soon, You'll help me along my way. You'd be surprised how good God is. He'll speak in a person's life for years trying to get them, amen, to do what they should do. And they keep hardening and hardening and hardening. And pretty soon, God says, okay, you're gone. You don't want to be that kind of person. That's what pride will do to you. Okay? Who is the Lord God that I should obey him? You think about today Stephen Hawking, a well known physicist, died. At least I found out about it today. He died. Oh, they say he's one of the greatest physicists that ever lived. One of the smartest men who ever lived. But I have heard that man out of his own mouth in documentaries say that there is no God. A news broadcaster asked another person today he was interviewing, did Stephen Hawking believe in the Creator? And all that man could say was he believed that the universe was a universe of order. But he said, I can't answer that question. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. He found out today that there is one. I don't care how successful you are, how smart you are, how smart people claim you to be. You reject Jesus Christ, you don't have the true wisdom. And I'm gonna leave that, I'm gonna leave judgment in the hands of God. But I'm trying to tell you there are people in the world that are successful, but deny him and reject him. And where is that coming from? That's the pride of the devil. Who is the Lord God that I should obey him? Keep your heart soft. These are things of the apostate. These are the people who follow the road of foolishness. This strange woman. Pride. A proud look. A lying tongue. Self-explanatory. Some people can't tell the truth. They can't tell the truth, man you get in the kingdom of God, you should be a person of truth. God is a God of truth. He met. God does not lie. God cannot lie. He is the God of truth. He met. You serve the God of truth. The devil is a lie. The Bible says the devil is a lie. So if you go around and you can't tell the truth, then your father is the devil. It's not God. Because God is a God of he met. The God of truth. So God hates. He rejects fellowship with people who lie. It's very serious. Hens that shed innocent blood. Murderers. Self-explanatory. Murderers. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Again, they get back to the heart again. Some people their whole life is just one evil imagination after another. They devise it. They create Vain imaginations. Their imagination, their heart's just running wild, crazy with them. Amen. Wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift in running to to mischief. Self-explanatory. A false witness that speaketh lies. Somebody that's always distorting the truth. Distorting the facts. He that soweth discord among the brethren. Always Stirring up trouble in the church among the brothers. God hates that. See what I'm saying? Now, what is interesting, and I don't have time to develop it, but every one of those was committed by a strange woman named Jezebel. She had every one of those characteristics in her life. And so when God rebukes the church of tire in the book of Revelation, in the church of tire they had degenerated with the same types of works of Jezebel that are recorded in this very chapter. God cares. He doesn't want these things in our life. Amen? So we go back now to the strange woman. All of that's related to properly serving and worshiping the true God versus being an idol worshiper. Those are characteristics He just gives you. Isn't that interesting? You would think he was just displaced, how to just randomly put in the middle of this, subject on the strange woman. No, they're there for a reason. It shows you what a true son who honors the father is like versus an idol worshiper who's walking with the strange woman. Very quickly, my son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou wakest, it shall talk with thee. Amen. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Again, God's saying the Word of God is the thing that would protect you, keep you from going down that strange path. Very quickly again, back to the strange woman to keep thee from the evil woman. From the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Here she is. She knows how to talk. When she comes, just like we learned before, when she comes, she will flatter you. Now, there's a difference between praise. If I walk up here and I say, brother, you did a great job. Okay, here's the difference. When you say, you did a great job, man, I appreciate you. You're edifying Him. Okay? But if I walk up here and I say, hey man, Boy, you're something else, man. You're great. You know, you're, you, you know. Flattery is for my benefit. See, I've got an agenda. I'm telling him these things to, you know, to flatter him because I want something. Okay, it's it's about me. Praise. You can always praise people. Talk to them. Tell them about the good things they're doing. But again, the difference is you're edifying them, and you don't have a hidden agenda that you want something from them. Okay? That harlot, that strange woman, man, she comes and she flatters because it's about her. It's not about you. It's about her. Always remember, it's always about her. It's not about you. She has a hidden motive behind what she's doing. And it doesn't have anything to do with your well-being. It has to do with a motive she's got. Okay? That's the difference. Amen? Amen? It's a person that's pure, a pure woman of God, pure man of God, if they say the nice things to you is to encourage you, to edify you. If they're not, if they're strange, like the Bible talks about this woman, understand that when she comes and talks to you and tries to make you feel good is because it's about her.. Or on the flip side, the other hand, a man. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with thy eyelids. And then verse chapter 7 and verse 10 talks about the attire of the harlot. Don't Okay, we're in this season. It's always been a battle. But people want you to think or they mock, they scoff at dress having anything to do with godliness. So let me give you New Testament chapter 3, First Timothy chapter 2. New Testament teaches on modesty. Say modesty. There's the, the, the uh, attire of the harlot, which is seductive and immodest. Then you have the attire of the woman of God. It's going to be always modesty. So what we see here is In uh, verse 25 of chapter 6 talks about the eyelids of this woman what is this about it's about false beauty it's the false beauty that you find in sin it's artificial attraction of seduction clothing and makeup and suggestive activity as one commentator puts it okay That is a picture of the woman of the world. Very interesting, isn't it not? Now, going back to the Song of Solomon, Solomon's writing these words of wisdom. His harem, the the women of the, the city women, they would have all been painted up, man. Okay? Appealing to the woman of the world. But there was one woman that wasn't like that. That was a type of the church. And that was the Shulamite shepherdess. She wasn't like the Hyrene of Solomon. Say praise the Lord. So. This writer of the book of wisdom knows that the eyelids of a woman can be used to seduce Men. So that's what the Word of God teaches. For by means of a whorish woman, a woman is brought to a piece, uh, excuse me, a man, in some cases now it's a woman, isn't it? For by means of a whorish woman, a woman is brought to a piece of bread. Yeah. A man is brought to a piece of bread. And an adulteress will hunt for the precious life. So what do you have? You have a what? You have an evil woman, the Bible says in verse 24, you have a whorish woman. Okay, the adulteress is one that's unfaithful to God, not faithful to God, this is spiritual. Uh, the other woman, the whorish woman sells out for adulteries, but anyway we get the point. Verse twenty seven Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go in upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. What is he saying? You take it fire in your bosom. Can you take fire in your bosom and your clothes not catch on fire? No, you take fire in your bosom, your clothes are gonna catch on fire. If you walk on coals of fire, your feet's gonna get burned. What's he saying? You cannot escape the consequence of sexual immorality. You will get burned. Now, here's what you have to understand by the Word of God. is Sometimes it takes years. Reuben committed adultery with Bilhah, his daddy's concubine. And it wasn't until you get over to the book of Genesis chapter 49 and verse 4 that it ever comes to light 40 years later but but while Jacob is laying on his bed and he begins to look at the sons that were around him a prophetic word begins to flow out of him and he reveals uncovers Reuben sexual sin with Bilhah going up to the couch of his own father unstable as water. You cannot take fire in your bosom and not be burned. It's like walking on coals of fire. It just will never go away eventually. If it's not known right now, eventually it will be known. So the best thing to do is repent. Accept accept the correction. Get right with God. Amen? Amen. Receive forgiveness from God. And ask God to help you with the consequences, man. Because there will be consequences. And sometimes it's not known immediately. It took 40 years before a prophetic voice, a prophetic word came out of Jacob that uncovered his son. Now can you imagine all of those days and months and years that went by when it first happened? No doubt, Reuben walked around wondering, what's my daddy going to do? Now, it's not his daddy didn't know. He knew. But I'm saying it didn't come out for as far as consequences concerned until the prophetic days when he was dying. But he walked in fear every day of his life. What's my daddy going to do with me? Nothing. Nothing. And he let him live all those years until he's on his deathbed. And that prophetic spirit began to move as he began to seek to bless the very his sons and he said I can't bless Reuben he's unstable as water he went to the couch with Bilhah so there are things that people think they get away with because it is not very soon quickly known or consequences don't come quickly but eventually they do because you can't take fire into your bosom and not be burned You say Judah, the son of Jacob, also committed a similar sin. Then why was he blessed by his father when his father was fixing to die in Genesis 49? Because Judah repented. Big difference. He repented. But what you also have to remember is is that when you study the life of Judah, he had two sons that became vile and experienced the anger of God Almighty upon their life. Be very careful about what I'm preaching to you. Because just it might not come about you right now, but you have to remember and it's not about a man. It's not about your pastor. It's about God. And God sees everything. And I would advise you today, if you're caught up in any of that, to repent now, to get right with God, and say, Lord, if, if consequence comes, I'm going to accept Him. But repentance is your way. Number one, so you can go to heaven. Okay? So Reuben experienced a horrible consequence of a prophetic judgment that came on his life for something he did 40 years before. Okay? Judah received a blessing, but his sons went, two of them went bad and experienced the anger of God upon them. This is big time stuff, brothers and sisters. That's why we need to walk very carefully before God. Okay? Now, I know I'm preaching long, but I, I'm, this is fine, we're good. I'm going to say this, we have learned also psychologically that if you give yourself to sexual sin promiscuity, you start having children, somehow that is transferred, translated into the genetics of your children. That is why a lot of times the sons will follow in the same footsteps as their father because genetically that was passed on into them. You want to make sure that you, 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 you keep your mind where it's supposed to be. Amen? You want to be right with God because you don't want to transfer generational sins into your kids. Okay? So if you've done some of that, what you want to do tonight, I'm trying to help you. If you've done some of that before Christ or even after Christ, you need to put it under the blood and you need to cancel it. You need to cancel generational curses. Say, Lord, I put this under the blood. I repent. I cancel any generational curse that will come upon my kids as a result of my sin against you, God. There is a hope. There is a way. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of your testimony. But you, you it's a legal transpa- transaction in the Spirit that you have to do. Extremely, extremely serious. You can't take fire in your bosom and not be burned. Walk on. How many of you can walk on coals of fire and not be burned? No, you're going. To, it's going to burn you, man. Somebody help me preach. Look at your neighbors. Going to tell them it's going to burn you. Don't give in to a lifestyle, brothers and sisters. Anybody listening to me tonight, the Word of God. Anybody here? Don't listen to a lifestyle that'll lead you away from God, man. Do you know the curse that you are setting in motion against you and the generations to follow? Even if God forgives you and you do make it to heaven. The pain, the dishonor, the disgrace, disease, not to mention the spiritual consequences and the effect upon the fellowship. So that he that goeth to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he's hungry, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. Now why would God put that in there? What He's saying is this, is if you go and commit adultery with another man's wife, there is no restitution for that. There's restitution if you steal and you're a thief. So if you steal and you're hungry. He said, at least you have some excuse, and that is hunger. And when you're found out, you can make restitution for that theft. But when it comes to taking another man's wife, there is no restitution for that at all. You can't pay the price. What are you gonna do? You're gonna go to that man and you took his wife, say, Hey man, let me let me you know I did this and here, let me give you some money. No, that's not gonna satisfy that husband. God is saying there is no restitution that you can make for adultery. Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, discipline, lack discipline. Say the same thing for a woman who commits adultery with a man. She lacks discipline. Bringing horrible consequences upon the life. A wound, a dishonor shall he get. His reproach shall not be wiped away. Amen. I mean, brother and sister, honestly, what price can you pay for a broken marriage? What price can you pay? Man or woman. I told a man years ago, I said, don't leave your wife for that woman. I said, and it's the same thing you're doing right now to her, it's going to happen to you in the future again. You will reap what you sow in life. You break up a marriage, guess what? You're going to reap it down the road. I couldn't get through to that man. I talked to him on the telephone, man. I did I prayed for him. I did everything I possibly could. That man would not listen to me. Adultery is a very serious thing. You break up a marriage. What can you pay to make restitution for that? That's what God is saying. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. No price can be paid. man. See, so it's good for us, isn't it? Number one, protect us to keep us from doing these things. And number two, so you'll be clear. When you make judgment on situations, that you make the right ones. Because I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you are a facilitator, or you help people in these sins, you have a curse upon your head. You are bringing the judgment of God on your family, on your head, generations to come. You better, I'm telling you, you better get your head straight on this kind of stuff. Because you're not. <laughs> You're not just, okay, it's not just about a person. It's about God's holy covenant. His laws, His order are being violated. You want to step in and say, oh, it's okay. I'll support you in Him. I understand love, but you can't support sin. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest him many gifts. I want to tell y'all a story. Okay, baptized a man right here in this water. This was years ago. This man was extremely wealthy. He owned car dealerships. I make, uh, uh, I don't. I think it was Lubbock, but I mean, this man had a lot of money. And this woman brought him. He wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name because he lived with the guilt of committing adultery with another man's wife. The man committed suicide because his wife committed adultery on him with that man. And before that man went into eternity, before he committed suicide, he said, I'll see you in hell. I'll see you in hell. He came here. We baptize Him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. We believe that God, His blood, His atonement is not limited that he can forgive and cleanse even that. I haven't seen him. I don't know where he is today. But what I'm trying to simply tell you today is to illustrate a point that when adultery takes place and a marriage is destroyed, that's the kind of violence we're talking about. How is it that people can just run headlong, man, you know, you know, I tell you what it is. I tell you why people do that. Because we live in a society that's got sort of a Catholic mentality, and I'm not putting down Catholics. I'm just using this to illustrate. It's pay now, sin later. It's called indulgences. Catholic Church says, Bring us some indulgences, and this'll you pay now and you can sin later. Or you go over to the to the Vatican, to Rome, and go to the, all the various you know, the churches and go to the Vatican and all of that and bring your offerings and you you can sin in the future because you have made the ultimate sacrifice and all your sins can be forgiven because you have made this journey, pay and sin later. It don't work that way. Not with God. There is a price, a heavy price that is paid. Destroyed families. Destroyed lives. And I will say again that God will always stand on the side of right and He will always back up legitimate excommunication. Always. And just because people want to go and change church or whatever, it's not going to help them. Judgment's still going to be there from God. Because they have left devastation and destruction and death behind. When you think about that man, I mean, I don't really know if you need to, but I think about that man committing suicide because his his marriage was destroyed. Yeah, he's probably right. He's probably in hell tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. This little—we we live in such a, a a world of ideology and philosophy, and you know where well, yeah. Just accept whatever. It's not what God says. It's not something God accepts. It's very serious. Chapter 7, my son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. This is the answer, brothers and sisters. My law as the people of thine eye. As the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. Let me focus on the truth. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister and call understanding my kinswoman. That's lady wisdom that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words again. Choose the right woman. Not the flattering woman. For at the window, Solomon said, I noticed something. He said, I watched. I saw a young man. I saw an immature man. I saw a simple man. I saw him walk down the back roads. He said, I watched him. He, watched, he walked deliberately down the back roads. He knew exactly what he was doing. At any moment, a woman was going to come out and would meet him in the back, in the twilight, in the darkness of the night. He is simple. He is unexpecting consequence. He is immature. And he goes like an animal to a trap. And Solomon said, I watched, I looked out the window and I saw that man, that young man making his way. At the window of my house, I looked through my casement. See, this is not just Solomon, this is God. And beheld among the simple ones, the immature, I discerned among the youths a young man, void of understanding. He lacked discipline. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went in the way to her house. She was doing. If you really study it, what's happening here in the picture is that this young man, he's just bored with life. Okay? And he's made his way into the back alley. His boredom has got the best of him. That's when the enemy comes after us, is when we get bored. Life and we get bored in life and we're just not satisfied with God we're not satisfied with our life so in our boredom we walk in places that we should not walk but he's not just wondering aimlessly he knows exactly where he's going in his boredom Passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. Brothers and sisters in the military, if you're in the military, they will tell. They tell all the soldiers, stay away from the red light district. Stay away from it, because they know how destructive it is. And here, this young man in his boredom makes his way to that in twilight in the evening in the black and dark night. Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. And she is so immature, you know she doesn't even know what she doesn't even know what to do. She doesn't have any answers herself. She's bored too. But she's got a plan. She sees somebody she can take. So here she comes with her seductive apparel, her immodest apparel. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Unlike, Unlike a feminine woman of God who's meek and quite spirited, This woman is loud. She's obnoxious. She's boisterous. A woman of God is feminine. A woman of God is meek and quite spirited. The Bible says, her feet abide not in her house, man. She's never at home. Boy, she's always running, looking for the next prey, looking for the next victim. I can tell you as your pastor from not only the Bible but by personal experience that is a reality. They're not satisfied with one victim. Now is she without. Now in the streets and lieth and wait in every corner. Why? To seduce. So she caught him. And kissed him, and with an impudent face, impudent face, said unto him, "What's this? Now, man, he's in her grasp. Well, he shouldn't never been there to begin with. He shouldn't have let his boredom take him to that place that he should not have been to begin with, or her if it's a different gender." If you're looking to be caught, you will be caught. If you want to be caught, you will be caught. Her desire is to seduce. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, what did she say to him? Very interesting. Now he's in her grasp. I have peace offerings with me this day. Have I paid my vows? Therefore came I forth to meet thee. Did you catch that? She's religious. She claims to be a believer. She says, Therefore, look at that. Therefore came I to meet thee. She's implying. That this meeting between the two of them must be from God. Hey, God is in this. Maybe something like this You're a David. Words God is in our meeting. God brought this together. You're just like David. I've paid my vows and offerings. Yeah, so look. Claims to be a believer. Claims to be this. God put them together. If you can understand what's what's happening here, is she attends church? Stop going. I've paid my vows, man. I've done my religious service, equal to saying I went to church today. Let me say this to you: just because you attend church, doesn't make you a believer. She's got the religious talk. Claims to be a believer. Claims that it was of God that they brought, were brought together. Sitting right in the church house don't make you a believer. People don't stop talking religious when they believe God. they you'll come sit right in the church, man. Just like this strange woman. Yeah, mm. and she goes on, I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. Amen. So look, see all this luxury? Man, come, come be with me, man. I've got all this luxurious stuff. What is she doing? That's what sin does. Saint, sin paints a big pretty picture. Come and 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 tell you, hey, it's going to be horrible for you. Said, Man, it's going to be wonderful. Look, I've got, I'm, I'm prepared. No, she's wearing the clothes of a harlot, and her perfume is embalming fluid. <clears throat> Feel the Holy Ghost. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. You know, solace. See, I need need to be comforted and you need to be comforted. And we'll find out in just a minute she's a married woman. So some of the, the language that is used is, you know, my husband just doesn't meet my needs. So, hey, you know, I'll comfort you and you comfort me in my suffering. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. Just, Just keep, not just a one time event, man. I mean, all through the night. I'm going to say this again. I've already said it. You know, I haven't been really screaming tonight. just been teaching the word to you. But I'm going to tell you that this idea that I'm not getting my need met in my marriage does not qualify you to find a relationship outside of that marriage. Amen? Verse 19, hey, the goodman of the house is not at home. He's gone a lot, a long journey. See, who's the goodman of the house? Well, that's her husband. Say, hey, don't, don't worry about it. Come on in with me, because my husband's not at home, and he's not due to come back for a long time, and nobody will ever know. Nobody. Will ever know he's taking a bag of money with him and will come home at a day appointed I know when he's going to come back with her as much fair speech she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips and forced him you with me here theologically speaking What is she saying? You know, the good man is Jesus. The good man is God. What she's saying is this. I didn't find satisfaction with Him. I was never satisfied with God in my life. You know, I tried that. I tried that. Religion. I tried going to church for a little while. But, you know, God just never satisfied me. The good ones on a far journey. He's not here. He doesn't satisfy. Jeremiah chapter two tells me that God does satisfy. He is the fountain of living waters. You get in this these cisterns, they just you know, they don't hold waters, they leak out, you know. You are taking the bait from hell. He comes and tells you. You're not satisfied with God, you need something else in your life. That's the goodman in the house she claims is gone. Now, I'm listening, brother and sister. That is such a trick of the enemy to come, and come on, he works on me too to try to make me not unsatisfied unsatisfied. No, I'm not falling for it. I'm not listening to the harlot's voice. God is here. God, I'm satisfied with God. This is the right way to live. Say praise the Lord. Okay, okay. Just telling you, man. That these are. This is the approach of the strange woman. To tell you, hey, hey, I know we need. I need to comfort you too, because you know you're you're hurting too, and you know, we just we just get together. We just. We just talk about how we're hurting, you know, and just just you know, well I just don't know where God is, and you know, he's on a long journey and you know, I'm just not satisfied, so okay. That's what the enemy wants you to hear. That's the strange woman's voice. We, we have to put the brakes on backsliding, man. Would <laughs> you tell a sister in the Lord job came up, and she didn't get what' did you tell her Is this is the time of the what? We're in a time uh, uh, in a window of disappointments. That's what my wife advised another sister in the Lord we're in a time of disappointments and that's when the voice that spirit will come to you and say you're unhappy and I'm unhappy let's just get together because God never satisfied me anyway He didn't meet my needs it's a spiritual battle man Bible says he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. She's got him. I'm just that is so real you have no idea how real that is. To be allured and then just taken, man. Before you, you, we shouldn't have been there. See? he said, well, you know, they man got a hold of me. No, well, you should have never been there. Forced, now it's forced. Forced. How? Number one, holding on to him, forced by words. Come on, come on. Or a man forcing you by using the power of words. as an ox to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stock. You know, God is saying right here, what's happening is this person is backsliding by choice. People are going to backslide. But I tell you what drives me crazy is on the way all the excuses they make. You know, pull you into it. Verse 20, Till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteneth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, you children, and attend to the words of my, of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path. Stay away from the path of foolishness. Stay away from the path of backsliding. Stay away from the path of these strange women, strange men. listen to the Word of God. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Don't ever say, it'll never happen to me. It can happen to any of us. Any of us. Her desire is to take down the strong. She's looking for the strong. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Would you stand? I pray to to the Lord tonight for all of us that we hear the Word of God because that is what we must live by we can't live by emotion, human reason human intellect we have the world trying to give us its ideology We have our flesh that says, take care of yourself, protect yourself, give me what I want at any cost. And the devil says, listen to both the world and your flesh. Because he knows that's all it will take for us to be destroyed. So we listen to the Word of God. We put Him in our hearts. We prepare ourselves before we're faced with those situations. Then we make the right decision. And if we're heading the wrong direction, we repent of that direction. We bind them. We put Him in our hearts. Then we count the cost. We find out by the Word of God what she's like, what she looks like how she talks, how she looks and are told by God to stay away from her. I will close by saying this once again. You have to have a lot of courage to obey God. Solomon did not have the courage to say no to the strange woman. He didn't have it. It takes a lot of courage. Whether it be physically or spiritually to stay faithful and true to God Almighty in, an, in a day, in an age of promiscuity and sin. Listen to the Word of God and find out that a strong man by Solomon was taken down by his many wives. It happened to Solomon. It could happen to any of, uh, any of us in this church tonight. Amen. But with wisdom, lady, wisdom is life. She'll protect you. She'll guard you. There'll be a light to your feet. The confusion will go away. You'll have clarity in life. You'll find purpose. And God will eventually, God will bless your life. You have to be patient and trusting. And I will say this, God has 7,000 and it's not just here. But He has 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. And when you start getting discouraged, you see the condition of the church, remember the still small voice. God says, I've got a remnant. And there's some who have not bowed down to Baal. That Spirit. Remain faithful to God to the end. Trust God to the end. Amen? don't harden your heart don't get us anywhere to harden our heart just say God I'm just going to keep serving you by your grace and I'm going to obey your word avoid the path that leads to lady folly apostasy and departure from God stay on the path of lady wisdom The path that says fear God, walk with God, be in a relationship with God and obey His Word. And if you do that, you will find eternal life in the end. Amen? And a blessed life on the way. God's way is right. It is the truth. You'll try it some other way, you'll find out if you try it, but that it don't work. But I want to say this, there's something better than experience you don't have to experience everything in life. There's some things in life you don't want to experience. There's something better a better teacher than experience, brothers and sisters, and that's the word of God. And I mean it might be tough, but I'm gonna go buy this book. I don't want to try it. Okay the other way. Father, I come before you right now, ask your blessing to be upon the people of God tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bring your word. I trust, Lord, that as your people, even myself, are faced with things, temptations and various trials that come to our way, that we'll always live by your word and obey it. We ask you to cleanse us with your blood. Wash us from every impure thought, every evil word and every evil action, Lord. We put it under the blood right now. We thank You that You're a God of forgiveness. You're able to give us new beginnings. Lord, we rely upon Your Spirit and Your Word. Like the ant, no outside source, but Your Word and Your Spirit to lead us in the paths of service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.